Harry Styles' music will age well. I know, right? Not something I thought I'd talk about, but this week I became quite impassioned <laughs> about this topic. So I'm like, screw it. Let's, let's talk about Harry Styles in this episode of Derek G Speaks Volumes. Hello, how are you? This week, I didn't shove my face full of kimchi rice and then start recording immediately because last week I had something in my teeth, which no one seems to have picked up in the comments yet, <laughs> but is there for life have to acknowledge it, kimchi fried rice was very good. Thank you for asking. And going to be talking about that. Also going to be talking in the appendix at the end about live streams, the live streams that I do. And also Discord, Discord, the new thing for me, which is uh, really cool to talk about. But you are here if you have pressed play because you want to maybe hear some thoughts on Harry Styles because... Look, he is not part of my listening world, uh, but as many stories start with this podcast, I have been fed a lot of his live shows, his world tour, and, you know, is a compelling watch. In many ways, I think that a lot of live shows are almost like, like the highlights of live shows, like stand-up comedy. And I think the best artists that are managing to succeed are people that fans are uploading like the funny bits from their shows right <laughs> and um if you are an artist who is popular having little talk to audience moments that can be uh shared around the internet is only only good for you if you're listening uh billy eilish <laughs> imagine anyway so yeah I've, I've been aware of his tour i've been aware of his music it goes without saying that one direction harry styles is not part of my purview as a music fan but i have been keeping an eye because he's obviously a, one of the biggest artists in the world he just won the grammy for the album of the year and then it all started to click and i listened to his latest album harry's house which i didn't make a point of when it came out and i was like wow okay I get it, and there's a lot to unpack. So I want to talk about his, and what I realize is that his music will age really well. So as you know, Derek She Speaks Volumes is a thesis. That is the thesis, and I'm going to break it down into why. Why he should care, his discography, how he's managed to achieve it, why I think it will be timeless, in a sense, what are some risks against that? But ultimately, this is an exploration in an artist and the decisions they make in order to hopefully make a stamp on music through their legacy, through their decisions, or, you know, maybe they want to be bigger in, on radio and all that sort of stuff and at festivals. So let's dig in. So why should you care about my opinion on this? Well, I think... It, it really represents what the arc of an artist is about what choices you make immediately early on, which I think he's done really well, and how you have st stuck the, steadied the course with that and not just gone like, okay, well, now I'm bored and now I'm going to be doing a rap record or I'm going to be doing a, uh, you know, Christmas album. All these things you have to consider if you are an artist that really looks at your record collection in many ways and wants to be in there and doesn't want to be in the bargain bins, right? I think 
music that ages well is difficult because there's a lot of music that I listened to when I grew up that hasn't aged well. I think that that's fine. I think there is some music like the Ramones. For me personally, I think the Ramones, I don't love, even though I recognize the significance of their music. I think that it was obviously very, very brash, bold at the time and punk, but listening back, it's very simplistic and it doesn't really do much else for me. So I don't think that particularly aged well, whereas, you know, certain artists, whether it be say uh, the style council just gets better with time, I think. So you have to, what lane, what lane you choose to be in as an artist is an interesting topic to consider as a fan and as an artist. I think that there has to be some sort of patience to that end about what sort of music you want to put out and how you want to represent yourself in the world and 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 not you know get ahead of yourself and try to hit the numbers and realize that you're going to be hitting numbers for the rest of your life if you do it right. Also, I think why you should care is because he hasn't he's almost up to a 14-year career at this point. He started at 16 years old on X Factor. So the fact that this young man a still young man has managed to sustain himself and improve and create a credible career where you're winning a Grammy. I think that it's more shocking than it is probably talked about. Everyone's used to Harry Styles now, but you know, Zane, you know, you're thinking about other One Direction people, you're thinking about like Kelly Clarkson, different era, but not that different. 20, I don't know when, when it was, but like, uh, early 2010s or something like that was when One Direction came out. So I guess Idol was like early 2000s, but like Kelly Clarkson wasn't winning a Grammy, you know? So how did he achieve that? So I think that there is a more, more impressive things going on with Harry Styles that I'd like to dig into. His discography, let's talk about that. So he has put out three albums since 2017. When I dug into looking at them, interestingly, it's put out on his own label and licensed to, I want to say Columbia, which is a part of Sony, uh, which is really fascinating to me that clearly after One Direction broke up, he was like, okay, this, I'm not gonna, just gonna sign to a major label and do it that way. I'm gonna start my own production company and then not a production company, record label, and then you're gonna license it off me. What's the difference? Ownership, I'm sure that, you know, that, that they've licensed it for a good long time. Maybe they've licensed his albums for 20 years, but at least he owns them, you know? So very smart moves. Whoever decided that for him early on, very smart. Three albums, Harry Styles, self-titled, 2017. The one where I think he's sitting in a bath, where you can see his back. Fine Line 2019, Watermelon Sugar, very cool album cover. And then uh, uh, I was going to say As It Was, Harry's House in 2022, which won the Grammy. And if you look at the totality of that, uh, there aren't any other things in there. There aren't, like I said, Christmas albums. There aren't remix albums. There aren't deluxe albums. They are just as they are, as it was. And that I just think that it's either Harry or it's someone in the team that's really like a music fan. And I think that has given it the patience it deserves. So I did, that's the discography. Let me break down 
the reasons why I think it will age well. Number one. It's his albums, especially his latest album, arguably the last two, but his latest album sounds like it could be music from any time. Now, this could be a criticism as well, but he he, he has opted for music by bands, music with instruments, largely. There's been a bit of synthesizer, but it is music that isn't of its time, right? Because I think when you think about the selection of sound you're not going for the latest and greatest trends and sounds he could be doing a drill track if he wanted to he could be using the latest synth and you know especially the sub bass sound has evolved over the years to be a lot deeper so he could have had some 808s in there to make them more modern say lana del rey very timeless i think lana del rey's make musical age well too but she has a hip-hop element to it there's some clear sub bass in there he's not going for that he's going for kind of classic music that could be from any time when i listened to harry's house the clearest obviously as it was has reference to uh Aha, the band Aha. What's the song called? Take on me. Da, da. Whatever it's called, Take on me, Take me on, whatever. But really the two references that are clearest to me are Peter Gabriel by a long way and Bruce Springsteen. Because, okay, Peter Gabriel, pop, bandy, synthesizer that has a bit of a, uh, a disco-y funk element to it, a bit of pop to it. Uh, but a bit of rock to it as well. Bruce Springsteen, you know, in, in the kind of band on the run where there's this scale to it. I love band on the run. There's this scale to it that it's width. It has this like big band width to it that um, like guitar band and, and stadium feeling to it that I listen to it. It's like, this does feel Bruce Springsteen-y in a way. Um, so those two mixed together, but given a, a modern twist where they're not jumping on trends, they're not trying to, I don't think like when Doja Cat was doing her thing, people were like, oh, she's bringing disco back, da, da, da. I think people were saying that Harry Styles was bringing anything back. It just felt like a really, really solid pop record, but not pop in that sense of, uh, you know, Selena Gomez pop. It was just like, yeah, Peter Gabriel pop. Uh, I think that, some would argue against this, but I think it is inspired by without being der derivative as well. So that makes it music that feels like of any time. So I think my last point on this music being of any time, I think that there'll be, he has an inbuilt fan base, right? Of One Direction fans, of young women, still young women that are probably like 19, you know, and they will listen to those records forever. Those people are lifers. But then I can imagine a, a young woman, a young man finding this, these records in 20 years time and looking at them and going, this looks cool. What's this? And then listening to it. And you know how time works. Time starts to shrink where the 1970s, you ask someone to name music from the 1970s and they'll list out five bands. And that's kind of it. Even though there are millions of bands and millions of great songs, it gets boiled down. So when people look at Harry Styles, they'll just look at it as a cool old record of really reliable pop hits. 
Because when I put it on, every song is really good. And not in the sense that like I would ever put it on a playlist, but you're, it's kind of like, yeah, you can't argue with these being good tracks. So I think that people will pick it up, discover it and be intrigued by it and be adequately satisfied. Secondly, being selective. I touched on this earlier, but I think when J. Cole was doing really well, it was platinum, no features, right? No one's talking about Harry Styles, no features, but it is a, an A&R thing. It's a being selective. There is no Lizzo on this. There is no Bruce Springsteen on it. There is no Paul McCartney on it. There is no future and he could have any of those people and any of those people would want to be on those tracks. And you look at every single album, there's no features on any of them. And that takes guts. That takes someone knowing that you don't need to leverage the, leverage the audience of other people in order to make something good. You don't need to jump on trends and do a Harry Styles ex Doja Cat in order to succeed. And conversely, how many songs do you hear Cardi B featuring Harry Styles, Ice Spice, Pink Panthers featuring Harry Styles. People would fall over themselves for it. Blackpink and Harry Styles, Ed Sheeran and Harry Styles. All of those approaches would have happened with some of these artists and they all would have said, no, there's money on the table. There's more royalties on the table. You're creating generational wealth for whoever comes after you with the amount of collaborations that you would do, but the selectiveness and not being oversaturated is a winning formula. But I, again, I think it speaks to the team respecting the craft enough to, to not give in to those temptations because who would be the best example of that? I think Bruno Mars has been a lot of things. I think Kylie B has been a lot of things. I think the best, Worst example of this is Snoop Dogg. He's like infamously known for being like 50 grand on a feature and 200 grand on a, to be in a music video. Like he's just like a asset class and he's building his asset war chest. Whereas Harry, I think wants to stream well as one of the most popular streaming artists, but is also wanting to be in it for the long game. And I think that that is very clear with the, amount of discography, the amount of no features, the amount of not featuring other people. Thirdly is creative direction. And I think that this is something that most people uh, underestimate in terms of an artist's uh, longevity in, a, in, in their careers. I think that the cover art is still one of the most important vehicles to maintain a timeless permanence in music because before anyone listens to a record, that's what they see. It's what people wear on their shirts for often 50 years into the future. It's what posters look like. It is what people remember visually in their mind when they think of an album, a time, an artist, they represent themselves through an album cover. And I don't think as many artists take it as seriously that having an iconic, not just a high quality, but iconic album cover is one of the most important things when you're making a very important record. And hey, if you don't make an important record, then, and you aren't in it for that, 
and you aren't thinking that this thing is going to be listened to in decades to come, you know, maybe don't do that. Like, you know, there's arguments for like Drake's What a Time to Being Alive, What a Time to Be Alive being like a stock image of diamonds. Uh, I think that that is a great album. No one is wearing that as an emblem of their pride of Drake, you know. Uh, I'd much rather, um, is it More Life? Um, I forget the name of all his albums, but the one uh, where he's in a gilded, you know, gilded castle looking depressed. That's probably the best album, definitely the best album cover, I think, of Drake's. But I think that they have chosen, Harry Styles has chosen and team really, really beautiful album covers that build a world, build a style. I think that of, of the ones so far, I think Fine Line was a really, really great album cover. It just, it felt like something that Storm Ferguson would have done. It's got this fisheye, it's got this kind of surreal room. There's this mysterious hand, leather gloved hand, which I think feels very Storm Ferguson. Storm Ferguson, the person that did the Pink Floyd album cover, Dark Side of the Moon, also did stuff with Peter Gabriel, also did stuff with Led Zeppelin, 10cc, the list goes on, Mars Volta. Uh, I think there is a really iconic look to that album that is permanent, is permanent. Harry's house, less so. I think that, I think that for a pop star like him, I think that the market forces still demand that he's on the album cover, which I think is a shame because I don't think he needs to, but I get it from like, you know, uh, a sales point of view that they want the the guy, the handsome man to be on the cover. But uh, I like it less so, but I think it's a cute cover that has an iconography of its own. It does also feel like an 80s album cover in a way. So I think that they've chosen their creative very well. I think that in t- it also... And this speaks to music from any time as well, but there is a creative direction in how the songs are named, how the lyrics are written, and how he is creatively directing himself to be an artist, right? Because you have <laughs> my favorite example. I need to give a name for this. Taylor Swift being one of the most important figures in pop, pop music, but have songs like Haters Gonna Hate, 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 Shake It Off, right? Whereas Harry has hit songs like As It Was, which is a lot more closer to poetry. Uh, a lot of the lyrics in his songs, none, none of the songs have the kind of Haters Gonna Hate type feeling to it. And that is a conscious decision to not be basic, to be not bait, to not be like poppy in, in phrases, but to have a title of a track called As It Was, which is not what you would consider uh, as pop as, say, uh, Lizzo's About Damn Time. Da, 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 da. You know, it's, it's a different la- layer of pop. And... I think you have to have sat down as you're writing the album and said, okay, we're not doing any of that stuff or having some taste, having some taste. There is different types of taste. And I think Lizzo's song is going to be played in more, you know, cafes, bars, radio around the world 
for five years and then no one will ever, ever want to listen to it again, I guarantee you. It's one of those types of songs, right? And it's a decision made to go when or doing that sort of thing, which is, I think that I think a lot about how people don't give enough credit to the things that aren't noticed. I guess that's hard to to say because, well, how can you credit something that's not noticed? But like people are making conscious decisions to not do those things and that is all the power. But you're seeing the nice album covers and you're seeing the nice music, hearing the nice music and it's like, well, nice job, Harry. But it's like, no, no, no. What is he not doing? He's not doing a song that's about damn time, anything like that. I think the next, wait, is that? No, and finally on that, creative direction is styling he sure this is the most derivative part of his aesthetic but in all of his like people have myself included have criticized him in the past for uh people saying he's amazing because he's a fashion icon because he's dressing androgynous and all that sort of stuff and every every any music fan has known that that's been going on even before ziggy stardust and and david bowie but I think that the styling is obviously very conscious 70s with a little twist, but not much of a twist. So the easy um, reference would be like from a kind of swaggery point of view, British swagger point of view, Mick Jagger, tight clothes, you know, uh, effeminate. But then the real reference is, uh, I would say like, 60% Elton John. <laughs> Imagine that on the mood was 60% Elton John. Because if you look at Elton John uh, outfits from the 70s, very similar. Sequined unitards. I think Harry doesn't go as far as feathers. He doesn't go as far as like sequined glasses. But it is that same sort of theater that was employed by Elton John. Stadium, theater, sequin. And so Harry Styles might have a really tight cropped midriff shirt that feels you know almost 70s porn star in a way but then it's pink and it's sequined and so like people have talked about him in queer baiting i don't know about that but like it is that kind of like i'm rock and roll i'm wearing an outfit i'm not taking myself too seriously but i'm also a performer and i think that the selection i feel like he's almost got a different outfit for every single show because uh you are a social media content producing machine when you go, go out with a different outfit that's really great and people want to take photos of you in. So I think that the creative direction of his uh, look and outfit is, uh, you know, really well done. And speaks to, when I speak about his music's going to age well, I think that when people look back at this time and look back at him, he does look like his haircut is more to 2023, but his outfits are like, well, well hmm. he's not wearing Supreme. I guess this is, I'm glad I, I, I remember this because it's important. He's not wearing Supreme. He's not wearing Jordans. He's not wearing Balenciaga and Balenciaga now canceled. Jordan's not as cool as they were. Supreme, definitely not as cool as they were. And imagine wearing those all on tour, looking lit at the time and then having to kind of look back and cringe. And there might be some cringe elements to what we see for him, but it's almost safer to, you know, it's like why Adele is, has, is almost like a Bart Simpson of music. She 
she hasn't changed, but she has changed. She's changed emotionally, but she's still Barbara Streisand in the black gown and the hair done and the makeup done exactly the same. And so you can't look at her and go, oh, I remember her, her era where she was trying to bring back uh, New Jack Swing and she was wearing, you know, she cut her hair in this way and that. She knows that she is like one constant Bart Simpson, Homer, Homer Simpson, same outfit, same look, same constant. I just put out new music and, and let that do the talking. So I think that Harry Styles being the Bart, Bart Simpson in many ways as well is uh, strategically very, very smart and not something everyone does, to be honest. Next. This is not to be understated. He, his team, respects the audience, which uh, I say not to be understated because I think most major label pop stars do not. And they think this is what the audience wants. They want pop hits. They want uh, the biggest trend of the last 10, 15 years is that the chorus is at the start, at the first note. So uh, I can't think of a good example, but... If you listen to like, yeah, uh, the Lizzo's of the world and stuff like that, they want you to hear that earworm worm fast and then you get into the verse. It didn't used to happen like that, but it's very strategic to be like, this is what people want. It makes it a hookier song. People are more engaged in it. So just make sure that you have that. Whereas in Styles' music, obviously he doesn't write at all. He's co-written by a whole lot of different people in his music. It's patient. I think that if you listen to Harry's house, there is a, the, the sound evolves, it changes, it challenges your ear. It's still pop, it's still referential, but it might have a, a one minute intro with no vocal. It might have a different sound from the last one that's got like a synthesizer, do, 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 do. You know, it, it, it has, parts that are, are more like cinematic and there's parts that are quite quiet. And I think that respecting the audience to be like, you're not just in his case, right? Because his audience is, I would say 80% female is not going, oh, these are just like impressionable young women. They just want to, you know, dance around. You know, it's not like that. We're all intelligent music listeners and fans and we respect that. And we respect that you're going to spend time with this record and that you can handle it. And he's not making experimental things. So handling it is not a difficult thing, but it's it's not putting out that sweet saccharine music that just wants to hit all the dopamine at once. And not even arguably, I think as a music fan, you make a deeper connection for sure because it feels like it's made for you. It feels like the sound is has been considered and that they're speaking to your soul. They're not speaking to your head. They're speaking to your heart. And I've never heard an album from like a pop artist that has like really, really big pop songs like the Black Eyed Peas, I Got a Feeling. That's not a good album, you know, because it's, it, it wants you, to, it would go from that to probably like Fergie's My Lumps or I, I don't know that, that album, but you know, like it, it doesn't, it, they would they want to keep it up and th there would just be a compilation of all the hits that they made over the last year type thing. So respecting the audience uh, 
is requires patience, requires respect for the intelligence of your listener. I think two part of the next thing is stage show and why I, I whilst it's not the I, the thesis is Harry's musical age well, I think the full package of it is you look at most artists, most artists going around right now, and most of them are in the round, which is to say they're in the center of the the arena, whether it is uh, Ed Sheeran or Adele or um, people that um, want to give like a 360 experience. Harry seemingly very intentionally has got like a long catwalk, but a band. And the sound of that, the optics of that, feels again like it could be from any time in popular music and isn't just him on stage on on a rotating turntable that he's just like spinning around and singing to people he's almost like i'm doing this how it used to be done because this is how it's been done well everyone faces the front of the stage if you're in the nosebleed section then i'm sorry that's what you could afford at the time and that's been going on for eons whereas like I don't know about in the round because like I'd rather be looking at him as small as an ant walking backward or forward on the stage than seeing his ass to me for half the show as he's spinning around and facing and pointing to the nosebleeds over there when I'm over here, you know, I just, it's a bit gimmicky. And I think that it's, you know, every decision in music has to be thought out and like, should we do it this way? Should we do it that way? Should I have a crane that shoots me through the side of the room? And it's like, no. You know how Freddie Mercury did it? As a catwalk and a stage in a band. And you just can't deny that is the clearest, simplest way to communicate the power and strength as an artist on stage, I think. And I don't think many people have the need to be in such an odd, uncomfortable setting as in the round. So good choice, good choice. Finally, why is musical age well? is that he keeps getting better. I think uh, as it was, uh, Harry's house is better than Fine Line, which is better than his uh, first album. And probably he's at his peak. Let's see what happens next. But I think that as someone that has had a 14 year career and started releasing solo work in 2017, the fact that it's getting better and I can put this album on for most people and they kind of almost objectively can't say it's bad i know that sounds absurd but again i'm not a his a fan of his and i put it on and i'm like yeah i could put this on and i'd enjoy it if that makes sense it's not for me but it yeah there's a power in that and for it to keep getting better takes more and more demand from yourself to produce better and better deeper work that is a lot more thought out a lot more conscious so bravo it will age well and so let's break down a few cons i don't have many but why it might not age well my sister actually messaged me yesterday one of my sisters and was talking about harry styles and she said that like oh i can see his music being played on easy listening stations in 40 years and i don't mean that as a bad thing and i'm like whoa i was do you know i'm speaking about harry styles on a podcast tomorrow uh which is pretty funny but I think that 
in the best way it will last and you're here as, as it was for a long time because it could have come out in 1985 or it could come out in 2022. It is also not of its time, right? So perhaps it will be so easy listening and so easy and palatable, watermelon sugar, you know, that it is something that will last forever and you know, whilst I said Lizzo in that track, people probably listen to it for five years and you'll hear it when you're on holidays in Sao Paulo in three years' time and you won't hear it later. You will hear as it was forever <laughs> and and will be what, you know, some of the 80s rock classics are for the people that are turning 20 now when they're 45. Um, that's not a con, but maybe it is a con. It's both. I would argue, and please comment if you are a Harry Styles fan, I would argue his voice isn't very special. He can sing. There's a bit of a, a huskiness to it, but I, I I listen to the songs and it's not like you remember his voice. I think his voice is the least remarkable part of him. I think everything else is very remarkable. The voice is good enough. It has enough personality, but it's like if you... If I wasn't doing this podcast and I didn't know one of his songs and you put on a song and you said, who is this? I don't know if I could tell you. I don't know because it's not, it's not Adele. It's not, it, you know, even, even in, like I've mentioned a few times, even Doja has a very clear, distinct, almost like baby-esque voice. Harry, you know, if you're a Harry fan, you know what his voice sounds like. So you definitely would disagree, but I don't think anyone talks about Harry Styles' voice as the main thing. He's more of a charismatic showman. Um, and that's a con. I think the risk for him is that he might want to switch things up. He might get bored. He might be like, guys, I've, I'm done with the retro kind of vibe. I'm done with 80s with 70s, with bands. I'm done with slow moving. I just want to have fun, which is what I think Kendrick Lamar got to when people hated Damn, right? And he loves that record from what he said because it was free, it was vibey, it, was, it had some serious things in there, but it also didn't. And I think people were disappointed and like, don't worry, Damn is the... The, the the devil and then the the angels coming tomorrow do you remember that there was this whole theory about like there's two albums dropping at once because it was so like not to pimp a butterfly you're probably not going to be surprised when you hear me say this i like damn <laughs> and i don't like to i don't not like to pimp a butterfly i think it's harder to listen to it's just like i wouldn't want to put it on because it's not that fun whereas damn is like it's re-listenable like you can listen to it three times in a day and enjoy it. I think you listen to To Pimp Butterfly once. It's like, wow, this album's amazing. And I, I won't need to listen to it again for a while. That was tiring. And perhaps Harry will get to the same point where he's like, I just want to have fun. I love Lizzo. I love Taylor Swift. Let's do records together. And sure, there'll be a whole break the internet. This is the biggest song in the world. But then his legacy will be impacted. He should kind of go like the... Um, Barbara Streisand, um, Barry Gibb. Was that the collaboration? I want to hope so. He should do some sort of like collaborative album like Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson and do some 
That would be amazing. He did like a really serious, serious, beautiful pop record with Taylor Swift. Not as a listening music fan, because I wouldn't want to listen to it, but as a, a music fan in history, please do it. That would be amazing because I think looking back and seeing two of those peak people reaching their 30s and mid 30s, doing one of those couple albums of the two biggest artists at the time. Come on, who wouldn't want that? You, it, it feels like it would just be cemented as like a special thing. I love to see that. Now I'm all excited about that. But I think that like there is a desire for anyone to be more relevant, more cool. Um, he wants to do something with Drake. He wants to do some hip hop and he wants to do more features because he feels like he's in a box. Let's see. I don't think that's him, but like everyone gets a bit tired of their own, you know, four walls, their own nest. Don't, don't shit in your own nest, Harry. Don't screw it up. <laughs> So there you go. That is the uh, thoughts and meanderings of Harry's musical age. Well, what do you think? Do you think that I am crazy? Do you think that his albums are terrible? Do you think that it is all gimmick and he is just ripping everything off? All valid to, to be fair, but it just all hit me that I don't think it will. And I don't think that he is going to be insignificant in, in the pop space. I think that uh, it, there is an argument to say that he could be on the con side of things, he could be uh, a Billy Joel of the future. One day I will have a thesis and I will think about and talk about how there are certain artists that were massive during the time that don't get talked about anymore. Billy Joel being a great example of that. And I think uh, what what is in their recipe and in their formula that has prevented them from aging well. And I think... There's Lionel Richie. They all make good tracks, Piano Man or um, Dancing on the Ceiling and things like that. But they, they're not like I'm hearing the younger generation go, yo, I just discovered Billy Joe. They're talking about Robert Smith. They're talking about the Smiths. Uh, they're talking about more uh, emotive and evocative and deeper people that have stood the test of time and not Billy Joel. So how do you become that? And how do you prevent yourself from becoming that? And Harry does is at risk of becoming that as well, if he doesn't, uh, well, yeah, not if he doesn't play his cards right. I think it's, it's, it's all on the table for him to potentially be in the bargain bins of any $2 shop, uh, thrift store. He also could be, um, you know, in the high-end section, along with many uh, soloist greats. End of the episode. Let's talk appendix. The final appendix, actually, because two things to talk about. Live streams. I've been live streaming. I want to say I've done a live stream every Monday uh, for about 40 weeks, 30 weeks, 40 weeks. Quite a lot. And it's... Uh, I wanted to do it because I wanted to connect more with you guys one-on-one, be able to play music. It felt like this is real. This felt like 2022, 23 version of radio. And it was really satisfying. The difficulty is trying to please everyone, which you can't, of like, I can't hit and talk to my uh, European audience because it they go to sleep when I'm awake. And so uh, I miss that. And then time zones changing with daylight savings means that everything shifts and then people are like why aren't you doing it in the morning anymore i'm like because 
we changed america changed and now i'd be doing it at like 1 p.m on a sunday pacific time and no one's going to be on tiktok at that time so anyway that that comes with the where i live and just the way it is um but i also found that because i have been wanting to evolve my output and and enjoyment levels for you guys that i launched a podcast and that i've been pushing my newsletter as well because i want to kind of like have these different levels of engagement short form long form written and now the the live stream was just too much for me to handle because it, it would take up 90 minutes two hours of my day every monday on top of planning producing a podcast and on top of all this other stuff so i uh, told the uh, avid people that hung out on the live stream that um that was going to be no longer for the time which is kind of freeing in a way because i'd like to just go live more often for shorter periods of time when i have time as opposed to making this schedule i would like to do it more often permanently but that will require a whole lot of career changes for that to happen so maybe that will happen in some time when i can start to monetize things but that led to discord ashley an avid supporter of what i do uh has been uh jokingly but not jokingly haranguing me to starting a discord and i've always said no 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 because i've had a personal experience multiple personal experiences with it where i've helped people i've worked with people in the past and helped them launch discords and they start off great and who knows what mine will be like um and then it starts to die and i'm like i don't want that i don't want to be the influencer that has a discord that no one uses but then I said to everyone, I'm not doing this live stream anymore. And everyone's like, well, how can we meet up? How can we talk? Like, not like it. They weren't mad at me, but they're like, I'm going to miss this. And then I was like, oh, I feel bad now. Because there are people, some people in this in the chat follow each other on Instagram. People, when they show up, when they're not there, they're like, oh, where's, where's AJ? Where's so-and-so? And people are looking for those names. And so... I realized, oh, this is like, this is beyond me, as they say. Um, so I, I realized that it, I was creating this community <laughs> to get along with each other, share stories, share things in common through the platform that I have. And I am, you know, shutting something down that they enjoyed. So I said to Ashley, like, okay, let's try it out. Let's share the link around. Let's see what happens. And it's been growing really well. And it's not a numbers thing. I don't think I, I need to watch what how many. Probably the more people in there, the harder it's going to be. But I think that people saying good morning and saying, oh, hey, how's your family? And, and you know, have you seen this news? And people existing in, in a space that I helped to proffer is a beautiful thing. And um, I will be in there too. Um, and I think it's important I'm in there, but it's not for me, it's for you. And f then for us to interact, it's not for you to be like, when's Derek gonna post? I just want Derek to post. It shouldn't be about that, be about that. It should be about like, like finding friends on there and um, a community of people that feel safe in the space that we're in, that I'm also in. I wanna be like, not the guy that, that's like oh he's dropped in I, I get to speak to an influencer it's like i'm just one of you. i'm just one of you guys that's the truth and i just want to talk banter with you too when i have time so yeah enlightening interesting different unexpected 
a great turn of events. This has been Derek G Speaks Volumes for another week. Thank you everyone for all the love, the support, and more, more to come. I've planned out a lot more. I've got a guest coming up very soon. So much to look forward to. See you next week. Bye.